0: Lord, in uh, the short time we have together, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, come and meet us um, where we need you. Father, I pray that uh, you would help us understand our faith, Father, in your mission, what your will is, Lord, and how it was accomplished on the cross. Father, and what that meant for the rest of uh, eternity. Lord, this morning that we may understand your will and our eternity uh, in the same way. Lord, that we would understand um, that your will, Father, is your mission, that it would be accomplished, that we would participate in it, Father, and that we would understand what uh, this season means uh, all month long, Lord, as we celebrate it and and, uh, look forward to celebrating your coming. And we pray these things in Christ's name, Amen. So we got a good taste of Christmas music. How many of you have been listening to Christmas music for over a week? <laughs> over a month. How many of you is there? Uh, was there a time like Thanksgiving meal is over, cut the music on immediately? Okay, I like to hear that. Um, uh, one of uh, one of my favorite. Uh, hymns is "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," and there's lots of versions of this song. Uh, I think when we think about Christmas, uh, often we uh, we have kind of lots of thoughts in our head, but uh, very often we forget about the purpose of it. And so we are um, we are celebrating uh, Christ's coming, and that, that gives us hope. And we're also celebrating uh, His second coming because He is resurrected. That he is going to come again. Because what he said before by, resurrect, uh, by the resurrection, we understand that uh, he is uh, a person of his word. And we can count on his word. And we can hope in his word. And so he says that he will come again. And we see the words here, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall come to thee, O Israel. Be glad that our Savior has come, that our Savior has lived, that our Savior has died, and that our Savior has been resurrected. God with us. That is what the season is about, is it not? If you'll turn to me uh, with me real quick uh, to our scripture. Uh, Begin reading uh, along with me in verse 44. And so this is uh, post uh, the resurrection. The entire chapter is about that. But here we get where uh, Jesus appears to the, uh, the largest gathering of his disciples. And he shares this with him, with him before he's ascended in verse uh, 50. And that's what we're going to um, spend our time with this morning. Follow along with me in 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of the Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so, much like uh, Israel found itself, if you're familiar with the book of Deuteronomy, is that Deuteronomy sits, um, the setting for Deuteronomy is the people of Israel, the second generation that die in the wilderness, they are sitting, waiting on the other side of the sea to go into the promised land. And Deuteronomy basically is this sermons reteaching them the law. What should you do before you go in and inhabit this great land that I have prophesied that I will give you and that I'm leading you into? And here we have these people who have come to follow the Messiah, the Anointed One. The Gospel show us uh, 61 major prophecies have been fulfilled to help us understand and them that this is the, the one that God has foretold about. 61 major prophecies that he fulfilled. He is the one that was supposed to come. And as we think about these uh, verses, think about all the stuff that has come before them, even the tragedy of the cross and the three days that they were waiting to see if he was who he said he was. And so he has been appearing before them and walking with them, and we just have a few stories here in Luke, and we have other stories in other Gospels. But here again, they are waiting, what then is next? And these are the words that he gives them. And so the word, they are the words that we need to kind of pay attention to as we move forward into uh, the spring semester, we're going to be studying Acts. We're going to look at, well, what then does it mean that Christ is risen? What does it mean for his people as they figure out what does life look like? On mission for him. And so before we do that, I want to take today to kind of see or what, are, what, are some, uh, what are some last words that Jesus shares with his disciples and what can we learn from them. Today, if you're unfamiliar with Advent, is the first day. It runs from January, uh, December 1st to December 24th. And it is a season of being ready. Advent means coming. It looks to us hoping in what is to come. And if, uh, if you are like uh, Renee and myself, we, are, uh, we watch Hallmark movies basically every night. And uh, they're G-rated, you know, romances. And what is so funny about them, though, is that what, what is front and center about every not-conflict that they have <laughs> is that everybody just magically thinks things will work out. Like, that's the ethos of... Uh, that surrounds the Hallmark movie. It's There's hope in the air. Things will just work out. <laughs> and what has been removed from them is so funny is that Jesus is the ethos. He is, the, he is what is impressing upon the season and an entire world that things will work out because there is someone that God is sending that will fix everything. And he is the person that we have been hoping for. He is the person that the magi and the king sought. The king of kings, the lord of lords. Born in a, to a humble couple in a stable in Bethlehem. And so at this point we have, we've looked through many teachings of this, uh, of this man. Born in such hum- humble circumstances, seeing over and over and over how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, how much he longs to teach us, how much he wants us to understand that obedience for God is is better for us than anything that we can ever uh, do or imagine doing. I've sat on my cord. As we're thinking about uh, this series of Jesus as our teacher, we want to end here with the most momentous occasion in all of human history. the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, if Jesus is not raised, we are still in our sin. And I make this point because too often in our theology of the Christian life, we leave Christ in the ground. Right? We, we harp, in, and rightly so, on the, on the cross. And that is where he, he bore our sin. But all of that is for not... Anyone can die for sin. It's only when someone is raised that we understand that he was who he said he was. And he actually did the thing that he said he was going to do. The resurrection proves all of that. It also proves that it's not, that death is not the end of the story for him or for us. Luke does not end at chapter 23. Or John at chapter 19, Mark at 15, or Matthew at 27. All of the Gospels have a remaining chapter that talks about the resurrection. And so we need to understand what that means. Right? All of them lead into what is next. The resurrection of Christ and the advent of the church age. And the church age is characterized by the Holy Spirit indwelling those who believe. And by making Jew and Gentile one people. Is also the start of the first believers learning to continue the ministry that Jesus started. What they started, we continue on. That the ministry that Jesus had and the ministry that he gave to the apostles is the same ministry he has given to us. It has not changed, it has not deviated. He wants us to continue doing the same thing. But it is based on the resurrection. And it's on this occasion that Luke ends the narrative that he authored with the instructions for followers of Jesus about what to do next. What is the plan, you may ask? And so many of us ask this question, right? To God, what is the plan? Should I stay in this job? Should I start this relationship? Should I move here? Should I have moved there? Should I marry this person? Should I go to grad school? Do I need to give uh, my all to God before he lets me know what I should do? Can I do whatever I want and still uh, have God bless me? An author, Johnny Moore, said, we'll put this up there because I think it's helpful for you to write down. See, more often than not, people complain about how difficult it is to find God's will. But they don't realize that the real difficulty isn't finding it, but being committed to it. I think we use the guise of not knowing what God wants us to do or what his mission is by just kind of continually asking a question that doesn't need to be asked. (laughs) The difficulty, write that down, I think that's so helpful. The difficulty isn't finding it, but being committed to it. Because though it's easy to find, it is difficult to stick to. So we, we live lives and we, we think about uh, not much else, just what I have in front of me, what tests I have, what my friends have gotten into how I feel about whatever it is I'm doing. But God's will that's going to happen, whether you believe in it or think about it or, or want to know it's something that needs to be participated in. See, he's doing it. Are you going to do it too? Either we're participating in his will or we're kind of in the way. Jesus actually says uh, this to Paul in Mark eight. Uh, sorry, Peter uh, in Mark eight. Same exact situation. Jesus is telling them essentially exactly what we read here at the end of uh, Luke. And it reads this: He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly, and Peter took him aside. See, Jesus is taking him, and Peter says, um, can, I get a, can I get a word real quick? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, um, yeah that's not going to work for me, Jesus. I understand, like, I really like what's going on here, this ministry that we're doing, and I'm really looking forward to see what else you're going to do. But you said that you're going to have to, to die. So he was stating plainly what the mission is, what needs to happen. And Peter is trying to get in the way of that. And as he's off to the side and Peter's trying to rebuke him and he looks out at the disciples and he's like, Peter, (laughs) get behind me, Satan. For you have, in things the ma- the, you have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. I have been in Peter's place many times. I know plainly what he wants me to do. I know plainly how he wants me to love people. I know plainly what that should mean for each area of my life. And over and over and over again, I feel like I pull him aside, and I'm saying, it's not really going to work for me. I would rather do this or I'd rather do this. And ever so gently, as he's seeing that other people are watching, as other people are, may misunderstand what the mission is, he tells Peter, Peter, the place that you've gotten into is the place of Satan. It is not, a, it's not an easy word that he gives Peter. He said, you're doing the opposite of what I want, which is to do my mission. You're getting in the way of my mission. This is what Satan does. And he calls it for what it is, And then he tells me, I need you to get back in line. I need you to understand that my mission will not be thwarted by you or by anybody. And it's important that you understand that. I think all of us that resonates with us, I think all of us have done that at some point. And so we're familiar with what man's interests are, all of them. It doesn't really matter what it is, it's just not God's mission. Whatever we can whim in the moment, our kind of mantra is, let's do this, that sounds good. But I want you to, real quick, refresh what God's interest is, what God's will is, very plainly. Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. verse that we talked about a couple weeks ago. He has told you, O man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. the conclusion when all has been heard is this, fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. And lastly, Deuteronomy ten, twelve. Now, Israel, what does the Lord require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Thinking about even the way that we phrase that question sometimes, what is God's will for me? That for me part is unnecessary. We just need to know what he wants. And that's what all those verses are about. I want you to look at them again. What does your Lord require of you? To fear the Lord, walk in his ways, love him, serve him. Fear him and keep his commandments. Do justice. Love kindness, walk humbly. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In a huddle, the quarterback calls out a play, which says every player on the field what they should be doing. They leave the huddle and try to go out and execute their assignment. If the church is a huddle, far too often we come in to meet with each other to find out what the play is, and we go outside and like, Lord, what was the play again? (laughs) and all the while, Jesus is like, just run the play. Don't get cute. Don't guess what I said. You were in the huddle (laughs) every week. (laughs) Every time we meet together, he is calling the play that we are supposed to run. God's will does not need to be found. It needs to be done. His will does not need to be found, it needs to be done. And while we are doing it, we will move places, and we will take jobs, and we will serve people, and we will get married, we will have families. And we will glorify Him. Because that is what happens when His will is done. So often, thinking back to Matthew 6, 33, we often reverse the teaching. Seeking after the things that He says He will give us anyway... And often not even getting them. (laughs) When we don't seek his kingdom first, we don't get the things that we already so longingly desire. And we also don't attain the rightness that should characterize our lives when we do. What is his will? To do what he's asked us to do. I want you to be encouraged by that. That if that is his will, if he just asked you to do what he says you could do and then he'll give you all the stuff you already want, the amazing part is that that gives us such purpose that I don't have to worry about each day what I'm doing. I take care of the responsibilities that he's given me, but I also live on mission for him. And his promise is that you'll get all the other stuff. See, being part of his huddle means being part of his team, and we were, when we aren't doing what our coach is asking us to do, are we on that team? It's real black and white in football. (laughs) If someone who says they're on my team is getting in the way of the play, right, or takes the ball and runs the other way, it's very obvious, hey, (laughs) we're not on the same page here. And yet far too often in my life, I don't know about yours, but that is exactly what I was doing. I was getting in the way. Anybody ever tried to play a game with like my son around? (laughs) He has his own agenda, does he not? And he is very strong-willed about whatever that agenda may be. (laughs) And it is almost impossible to play the game that you intended to play, is it not? (laughs) We experience this many times at our house on a daily basis. And this shows you how patient God is with us. That over and over again as we search the scriptures to find his will, it is story after story of him just seeking to ask us to be obedient. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's it. And so what does any of that have to do with the, the scripture? It has everything to do with it. Let's look back again um, at one more verse. So God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and prophets in many portions, many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What's to saying very plainly is that Jesus came and did what God asked him to do. And when he had finished his work, he then went back to where from whence he came, waiting on us to finish our part of the job. So we look at the scripture again, now these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scripture, and he said to him, thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending you forth the Forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until to are clothed with power from on high. There's five things that I want us to get out of this that I think will be encouragement to us as we go into this Christmas season and as we finish up our semester. The first thing that really should be a huge encouragement to you is that God's will will be done. Can you think of all the things that you cannot count on? All the things that give you anxiety. If you got an old car, is it going to start? <laughs> what am I going to get people for Christmas? How am I going to pay for these things? What am I going to get? I've got to get this Christmas list out so that people know what to get me. We have so many things that are beyond our control And it makes us anxious, doesn't it? We don't, in our day and age, fewer and fewer people know how to handle this uncertainty. Your life should be anchored to this promise that God's will will be done. He says there plainly in verse 44. And you can't really read this. <laughs> I meant to change it back from, to some white graphics, but just in between the twinkles, you can see what, what you can see. These are my words that I've spoken to you while I was with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So you is standing among his people, having fulfilled it, saying, It have, must have been fulfilled. Right, That I just did the thing that I came to do. And you know that because I am standing in front of you. You saw the life I lived. You saw the miracles happen. You saw me unjustly judged. And brutalized. And, and made to hang as a common criminal. And yet I stand here before you. Having done the job my father sent me to do. Hallelujah. See, this is the reason why we sing the song. Come, O come, Emmanuel. Come, O come, God, with us. Be with us. Show us your will. Do your will that I might never misunderstand again. God's will will be done. Number two is that he wants you to understand. As I remember myself at your age, and I remember the questions I asked, are the same questions that you asked me. You want so bad to understand what's next. What should I do in any given situation? And God wants the same thing. And I need y'all to get on the same page on that. (laughs) Because I don't know that you know that he wants you to understand. But he does. after he Tells them what must have been fulfilled and that he just fulfilled it. He opens up their minds. This is God's grace. How many of you have, while you were talking with someone or teaching something, that he just puts this, (laughs) brings these things that you've learned to mind? And what he's saying when he opens up their minds, he just scriptures. He basically helps them recollect and remember all the things that have gone before and all the things that they learned before that that oh, 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 wow. (laughs) I get it. I understand now what the prophecies were talking about. I understand now because I've seen the thing in front of me. He opened up their mind to understand the Scriptures. That He does this for His people. That He wants you to know that that's what we're doing Right now. Number three, God tells us plainly what His will is. Look at verses 46 through 47. And He said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. As he's wanting to tell us, as he's wanting us to understand, as we want to understand, then he tells us plainly what is the thing. Brother, just like it was written from ages past, and I'm telling you over and over and over again, we just read the verse in Peter where he tells them multiple times it's recorded in the scriptures that he tells them exactly what's going to happen. And they're like, Lord, what is your I mean, what's going to happen? He's like, I I keep telling you, why are you not listening? I am like this. Why do I not just trust? Why do I not just get it? Why do I not just take his words for face value? I mean, if he was just going to, you know, have to die and rise again, why didn't he just tell us? Oh, wait. And not only did that have to happen, right, or that would happen, but that repentance of forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name that it would start in Jerusalem and then go everywhere else. Again, that this is plainly what happened and what he wants to continue happen. He's not, he's not uh, hiding behind some decoder ring. He's not sending you weekly installments of just hang on till next time, cliffhanger. God called his shot and then he hit the homer. I was doing a little research. We've maybe have heard the story that Babe Ruth in the 1932 World Series said that he was going to hit a home run and then hit one. In my four minutes of digging into this old story, I found out very quickly that he he, he didn't. (laughs) There's kind of been only one person that's done this over the history, and it's God. He spoke to his prophets that something would happen, and it happened. God calls a shot over and over and over again, and then he hits the homer. This is a person that we can trust in. When we see this uh, and our our favorite uh, athletes or performers, we, we so are impressed by them about what they can do on command, and yet we don't, aren't so encouraged when God does it for some reason. Number four, as we finish up here, You have seen the gospel being proclaimed up until now. You've seen the work done. You've seen his will being done by Jesus and his followers. Right? that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. We've been running this play (laughs) for years now and i want you to just keep running it you're witnesses of exactly how this works all you needed was to make sure that i am who i said i am and i stand before you as he who is who was and is to come that is our encouragement guys that the person that tells us what what we were made for and what we should be about that person is our king That person is our Savior. That person is the person that's done the most miraculous thing that's ever been done. He has resurrected from the dead. And lastly, and this is the last, uh, and should actually be the, the most encouraging thing, is I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help complete this work. I didn't leave you alone. In fact, after I've given you this instruction, right, I want you to wait on that work. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. There's two ways we can do this. Right? We can do ministry in our power, And I have done this. And it feels like burnout. It feels like my plans. Or we can do it in his power. And we can wait on him. And we can understand that he wants the mission to be accomplished so much more than you. He just wants us to understand the goodness of it. And that we are blessed enough to participate. That he loves us that much. That's like, this plan is so precious to me. It is the most precious plan I've ever had to reconcile the world to myself. And here's how much I think of you. I want you to help me. I want you to help me so bad that even though I need to do what I need to do, right? that I've done what I need to do, I'm going to send the helper just so that, as opposed to me being here, that he can be in all of you. That as Dylan is Jesus and he is doing the work of the ministry, right, think about the work that he did. In three years of doing what he did, there was 120 followers. When he brought the Holy Spirit, which we'll study in Acts, what happened? At Pentecost, 50 days after, is there 3,000 were added to that number of 120? This is the power that he wants us to wait on. And it's the power that many of us have never ministered in. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you that you to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So here's where I want uh, to close with you, and you have just a, a few minutes to discuss. As we're thinking about God's will, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I just want you to do my mission. I want you to join me in my work that I've been doing since the beginning of time. And that you saw my son Jesus do. And I want this to be the cry of our heart. Lord, what other will would I want to do? Lord, Lord, where would I go? What would I do besides your mission? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You are our coach. You are our quarterback. I know the play. Father, give me the power to do it. Pray with me. Lord, we praise you that you have given us such encouragement Father, that you resurrected and came and found us to show us what new life looks like and to encourage us to keep on doing what we've been doing, to understand better, to follow what you have been doing all along. And so what I pray in these next few minutes where we just uh, talk with one another about what your will is and about what that looks like in our lives, Father, I pray that we would want to do it. Father, and we would want to understand it, Lord, and we would be confused no longer. For at the advent of your coming, Lord, that this season would be the first season that we really celebrate what you have done and are doing, not only in our lives, but in, uh, potentially in all the lives of those that we come in contact with. Lord, bless this time as we close. In Christ's name, amen.